I Love Mortgage Brokering, episode 45. Where the best mortgage brokers get better. I Love Mortgage Brokering with your host, Scott Peckford. Hi, Broker Nation. I am thrilled to introduce our guest today, Claire Drage. Claire is a mortgage broker with Mortgage Alliance based out of Guelph. Uh, she's a mortgage broker for seven years, been in the industry for 16. She's also the creator of The Lion's Share, which is mortgage broker training in a box written by brokers for brokers. Hey, Claire, are you ready to rock today? Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Awesome. I'm stoked for this interview. So can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So I live in Nassau, Guelph in Ontario, a mortgage broker as well as have a team, married with a couple of children, Marcus and uh, Sam. They're 19 and 22 now. And you can probably tell from the accent, originally from the UK, but actually left England back in oh, 87, the same year I got married, and actually moved to Spain. So came from Spain to Canada um, 98, so about 16 years ago now. And first job when I landed in Canada was as a mortgage broker's assistant. And I've never looked back, so that's kind of a bit about me. So for the first uh, eight, seven or eight years, you were a mortgage broker's assistant, then decided, hey, I can do this, and, and went it on your own? Yeah, pretty much. My my, I was a mortgage broker's assistant, and I mean, that was back in, what, 98, where there wasn't really that many lenders that were working with the broker channel. It really did kind of expose me to the options. Unfortunately, I'd had a bad experience as a new immigrant into Canada. With regard to buying my first home and getting a mortgage, that was prior to getting this first job. And it really kind of opened my eyes up into the industry as a whole, but also the benefits to the consumer and especially as new immigrants that don't understand, you know, the Canadian way of buying a home and getting a mortgage. So, yeah, and kind of over the last 15 years, I've been both mortgage broker as well as worked on the lender side of things as well with a couple of major lenders. And that really gives you all-round exposure from, you know, mortgage brokering to capital markets to underwriting to risk analysis too from the, you know, the collections and foreclosure standpoint. Right. Uh, that, that, yeah. So it sounds like, so what, how do you find, like, so you came from, were you in banking or finance or anything when you were in Spain or in England or like, how did you end up, how did you bounce into the mortgage business? You know what? Uh, no background whatsoever. Uh, my husband and I, we had our own business in Spain. We had a property management company. So we managed about 144 properties for typically, you know, uh, expats or people that had overseas real estate. And then we had an industrial laundry. So I guess zero experience in banking. Like in Spain, everything's cash and it still is. You don't ever put your money with the bank or borrow from the bank. Mm-hmm. But you know, the first job when I got in Canada as a mortgage broker's assistant, that was kind of really my first exposure. But I really think having run my own businesses, having that entrepreneurial spirit and really understanding the consumer's needs uh, from a borrowing perspective, had a good solid background from that that standpoint. Right. Yeah. The business background helps. And, and then you just yeah. learn that you learn the technical part of the of our business when you get into it. Great. So before we dive into your story, I'd like to ask you about a success quote, because I love how quotes distill an idea down into something that's portable, it's compact, you can take it with you, and it's memorable. So can you share a quote that's really had an impact on your life or business? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was thinking about this, and and you know what? There's many. And I think the one is not necessarily a business success quote, but more of a life standard that I've always um, stuck to, which is karma. You know, what goes around comes around. And I really, it's really helped me at times when I want to fight back 
and be not necessarily as professional as they want to be. You know, one of those clients that uh, takes your information and then just rolls to the bank and uh, uh, uses that to get what they need. But And I, I really do believe in karma, you know, doing the right thing by your clients always and remaining professional and it's something that I've always stuck by and it's it's paid it's paid you know more than tenfold paying it forward I guess as well mm-hmm. have you ever seen that show my name is Earl yes yeah. yes absolutely <laughs> that show cracks I don't know I just digress when you start talking with I'm like oh this sounds like but my name is Earl my wife and I watch that and I just die laughing it's so funny Yes, yeah. So can you give me an example then of how you've maybe applied this to your life or your business recently? So something maybe didn't go the way you were wanting to and, and maybe your initial, what you, the reaction you would, were going to give but you didn't and then can you, just, can you share an example of how you've applied this? Yeah, absolutely. So the one thing I realized very quickly with the mortgage brokering industry is that we're paid on performance. We don't get paid until a mortgage funds. And so always doing the right thing by the client, even if it results in us not getting a commission check or a funded mortgage. And, and realizing that what goes around comes around is, is, is my main focus has really sort of paid off. I mean, one example would be, again, like I mentioned earlier, you give clients a lot of information. You provide advice. I don't like to call it free advice. I like to make sure my clients are aware I'm providing with them with a pro bono consultation. So I use those two words a lot. In the fact that I'm okay if I provide a client with great options, that means that they save thousands of dollars in unnecessary interest by taking that information to the bank. I'm okay with that as long as they're now aware it's pro bono and I want to maximize that opportunity for more referrals. And I know that probably goes against the grain of what many mortgage brokers will think, but you've got to get over it. We're always going to lose deals to the bank or have people take our information and leverage that. And, you know, I've had many clients have taken that information and then come back to me five years later or even one just only a couple of weeks ago where they were taking my advice and were about to sign their mortgage documentation with their own financial institution until I reminded them about the collateral charge mortgage they were entering into and were they fully aware of all the terms and conditions because there's many benefits but there's also some disadvantages. I sent them my one pager on collateral mortgage charges and what you need to know, and they came back to me. I said, we don't want this. We have no idea. And I was able to secure them a mortgage. So doing the right thing by the client, but never sort of being unprofessional. Don't get me wrong. Is there an occasion when I put down the phone and some expletives will come out? Absolutely. But you've Mm -hmm. got to do that just to vent. But it's a numbers game. Right. Right. You need to feed more and more leads to fund more and more mortgages. And so I've often thought about this too, and I think there's two types of capital whenever you're working with a client. There's the obviously real capital where you get paid, and then there's social capital, which you help them out, and now they sort of owe you in a sense to help you. So how do you how are you capitalizing on, with, let's say, one of these deals that doesn't, you know, goes back through the bank? So how are you using that to, to create interest and referrals? Absolutely. So it's reciprocity. But the one thing that, uh, so one of the things that I teach other brokers and I, I do it myself, I always practice what I preach, which is I have a little sort of pro forma template, if you like, that goes into a thank you card. And it basically reminds them that as a result of our pro bono consultation and the advice and services I've provided you, uh, you've saved $8,500 in unnecessary interest on your mortgage. Congratulations. You know, that puts you 3.2 years closer to your mortgage burning party that we discussed. I'm enclosing 35 business cards. I'd like you to hand them out by the end of December or do you need more? 
So I send send my business card in the mail. I call them on it, quantify the savings as a result of my participation in their negotiations. Mm-hmm. And that's get more and more of my business cards out there, and they owe me. And so, so I, I have, you got, deal, have you got deals from this? Can you think of one Absolutely. like recently? Absolutely. And you've, you've got to. It's no good saying, oh, you're welcome. And you put the phone down. You go, oh, crap. There goes another one. You you know, it's your welcome, but as a result of that pro bono advice I've given you, and then you've, you've got to send out business cards. You've got to call your clients on it in a way that's professional, but make them aware you didn't get paid for saving them 8500 2000 600 bucks, whatever it is. And you always send 35 business cards? It depends. It depends on the savings. Sometimes it can be 50. Sometimes it can be 8. It mm. depends. You, you have a good feeling of your client. I'm not going to waste hundreds of business cards in the mail, but those are regularly going out because they're basically saying, thank you so much. I've even had people that I've linked, you know, I've sent them a link to my Facebook page. and said, would you be kind enough to share? And, you know, and get referrals that way. You've, you've got to maximize that opportunity mm-hmm. because we're building a database of customers. Whether they funded a mortgage with you or not, I want a database of customers. Right. That's great advice, by the way. Uh, I have I have done that, but not to the level that you're like at oh, like the black belt level on uh, how to use those <laughs> um, those deals that don't go anywhere. And so I'm, you've definitely tweaked my, my brain now. It's like, oh, yeah, I, def- I have to fix that. So that's, thank you for this coaching lesson right now. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. And actually, funny enough, I was just chatting with one of my mortgage agents on my team this morning uh, during her accountability meeting. And one of the things we talked about is self-employed, the challenges as mortgage brokers we have when we want to underwrite a self-employed individual, I think you'll agree we, in order to do it properly, we ask for a lot of documentation. We want NOAs, T1 generals, all the schedules, you know, business license, articles, financials, depending on the scenario. And one of her clients pretty much turned around and said, I don't want to give you all that documentation. My bank will do it without it. Mm-hmm. So what she did was taking my advice, took it one step further and helped him negotiate better with his existing lender who can access his bank statements on his business and know exactly what's coming in. But she's sending him 28 business cards in the mail mm-hmm. because she's helped save him about only about $3,500 in unnecessary interest. But that's 3500 in his pocket now. He can take his family on a vacation. Right. That's killer. That's killer. Okay, so I've got to get back to my questions. I, I had to. Yep. I had to digress there because it's. I knew when you'd mentioned it, I had to just dig into it a little more. I'm glad I did. So can I also noticed being an entrepreneur and a mortgage broker, failure happens. It's not fatal, but looking back, there's always a lesson. So can you share something that you had failed at, and then the lesson that you learned looking back? Oh, absolutely. Documentation up front. You know, trying to underwrite a deal and get a client their options or a pre-approval basically relying on what they put on their application form is accurate. And it's it's not. Whether clients deliberately, clients don't even know what income they earn. So, you know, I had a scenario, I think I was probably only about six months into my mortgage career. When they filled in the application, they looked like they had good income, great credit, got them an approval, they lifted financing conditions, and then they sent through their employment letter, which they'd written themselves. And so, of course, now they're self-employed. It totally changes the deal. Mm-hmm. And I can't blame the client because I didn't have the application form I was provided with, didn't ask the right questions. And it's getting those those right questions answered up front. So now my application form, first question is, are you self-employed? Yes or no? You have to tick yes or no. And if they say yes, are you incorporated, sole proprietor, cash income only, 
contractor or other. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, it burnt me hard. I had to find some solutions for that client and I couldn't blame them. They just filled in the application. I didn't ask the right questions. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's very good advice for anybody. And it's easy to, yeah. So they signed their own gift letter. Were they surprised when you wouldn't accept it? Well, they signed their own employment letter, which, you know, uh, well, yeah. I mean, they're like, well, you never told us. And they're, they're right. Mm-hmm. And cl- sometimes as mortgage brokers, we assume everyone knows what we need to have in order to get a mortgage. Because we do this 24-7, 365 days a week. What I always remember is I assume my client knows nothing about getting a mortgage. No matter their age, no matter how many properties they've done, always making sure using my templates that we're covering every possible scenario. Things like, you know, don't quit your job before you uh, before your mortgage funds. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I've had a client that's done that before. I've had clients try that, yeah. They met with me to sign. They're like, can I quit yet? And I'm like, no, you can't quit your no. job. Are you crazy? <laughs> okay, cool. But yeah, it, it's a hard lesson to learn because I'm not sure as mortgage brokers we we really, we're, we're, we're taught that, you know, um, or how important it is and what the repercussions can be if you don't underwrite accurately. We rely on, we, we rely on our lender underwriters to underwrite and we shouldn't. Mm-hmm. It's come, we've got to do it first. I once heard somebody say it's called the curse of knowledge when you know something so well that you you just make assumptions that the other person knows it and they don't. And that's why we have to have systems and templates and, and processes to catch those where people will miss because it's our job not to miss those things. I agree. It's definitely taught me to be proactive as opposed to having to be reactive. You know, proactively make sure they sign a documentation which tells them they can't quit their job, they can't buy a new truck, they can't spend their down payment, etc. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to switch gears a little bit. We're going to talk about systems and processes, which obviously we both agree are critically important. So can you share an, an, uh, an example of administrative process that maybe wasn't working as well as you'd like, and then a, a tweak that you made and what the outcome was? Yeah, so I'm, I'm a heavily process-oriented person. So even when I first started, I spent my first 30 days as a mortgage agent focusing on my infrastructure, which is basically when I get a client, what do I, what do, I do? You know, what do I do with them? How do I add value? We're often told, you know, you've got to add value, you've got to differentiate, but no one, I've realized in this industry, no one wants to share, hence the reason why I started the Lineshare Group. But, you know, the one thing that I found was first-time home buyers are extremely uneducated. And I had, I found that I had a lot of questions that I was spending hours over on the phone explaining that they really had no idea about or no one was explaining. Things like in Ontario, we have PST on the default insurance premium and the interest rate adjustment, which might involve a few extra dollars on closing or the property tax adjustment. I had a situation when I'd only first started when the closing costs were more than the client expected and it wasn't written down anywhere. So I added into my templates a very detailed breakdown with their mortgage approval of exactly what their closing costs were estimated to be, including property tax adjustment, PST on the default insurance premium, interest adjustment potential, because there's nothing worse than getting that client, well, I had a client call me day before closing. We don't have enough money. Mm-hmm. And we, we sometimes we rely that the realtor's going to explain, that the lawyer's going to explain. That's too late. 
Right. Yeah. No. That's it was, that, it was closing costs. That was the, the thing that would often hit me in the butt. And so, do you show them this by email, or is it done like in your closing package where you have the approval? Is that where you are putting this this d- details, or where where are you including it? Actually, they now get it three times because people forget. So when they first fill in an application form, when I go back to them with their mortgage options included in that, it's an estimate of closing costs. And if there isn't the PST, there could be an appraisal, the discharge fee if it's a renewal. Basically, put everything out there in that first email. And then when I get their actual approval and I might have more definitive numbers, they mm-hmm. get it again. When they sign their commitment, we get it again. So they actually receive it now three times. And I think for the last six and a half, seven years, I've not had one single client that has not had enough money to close or was surprised I don't know if you noticed the the CMHC survey that recently came out. 51% of first-time home buyers were frustrated at the surprises they had on closing. Mm-hmm. Right. And I guarantee you, none of them were my clients. Right. Yeah, that's that's a that's an opportunity. Every time there's a problem, it's an opportunity for us to figure out how to solve it, and then do our you know be able to generate more business because we do it better than the banks. So. Well, and that kind of leads me into one of the things that I highlight, especially to first-time home buyers, which is leveraging the fact that we have the knowledge and we're prepared to share, mm-hmm. not just beyond getting a mortgage. So, you know, we talk about the $750 income tax credit you can get when you're a first-time home buyer on your closing costs. I That's one of my drip emails on my first-time home buyers to remind them about how much I add value. But if they've already gone to their bank before they come to me, say to them, hey, when you were speaking to your bank and they talked about how to claim your $750 on your income tax return in, in April next year, they gave you all the right forms and where to get that information, right? And just kind of use that as leverage because I know they haven't. Right. No, you didn't, no, there's no way they did. No way. No. But that's well. That's one of the benefits of working with a mortgage broker, is we're beyond mortgages. Mm-hmm. Let me show you how to claim your seven hundred and fifty. In fact, I'll send you a reminder on the first of February next year on how to make that claim on your tax return. Right, that's killer. Okay, so I'm going to switch gears to uh, sales process because obviously part of it, part of our job is administrative, and and then the other side is on sales and marketing. So can you share an example of a sales or a marketing, uh, maybe a strategy that wasn't working as well as you'd like, and then an adjustment you made and the outcome you got? Oh, yeah. So um, when I first started print advertising, I'm like, I'm going to do flyers. I'm going to do print advertising. You're going to see my face everywhere. It sucked and got zero results. All it got was more people calling me for me to sell, you know, to sell me more advertising space. So, you know, I spent thousands of dollars on flyers and print advertising but what I didn't do is really focus on target demographic marketing. I did what I call spray and pray, which is you spray your advertising and you kind of pray the phone rings and that call is someone who needs a mortgage that's going to result in income. What I do now is I do no print advertising at all um, and it's all through target demographic marketing. So focusing on three core areas for me are first-time home buyers real estate investors and new immigrants. And funny enough, on the first time home buyer side, the marketing I do is most of it is my website. I, I invested, you know, oh, about four and a half thousand bucks on one of my websites six years ago. And now I get six and a half thousand hits a month. Wow. 
um, on that website and it pays off. I think right now I track where all my leads come from and even the revenue generated from every lead mm-hmm. using my lead tracking tool because I'm a bit of a trackaholic. Mm-hmm. But it's only because I track where every lead comes from I can figure out what's not working real quick before it costs me more money. And so this website that for first-time buyers has been has been profitable for you? Absolutely. And it's things like um, focusing on, you know, no down payment mortgages, uh, you know, that those kind of scenarios as well as my website has got so much information on it about what are your closing costs, what's the different types of mortgages, you know, um, what are cashback mortgages, how do they work? And it, it generates inquiries. We probably get between 8 to 12 a week. People pick up the phone and call our office or send an email inquiry to us. Mm-hmm. And is that turning into deals every month, like a couple of deals it, every month? It is. It is. And having said that, though, the closing ratio on website leads versus realtors, networking, my webinars, existing clients and repeat clients is definitely a lot less. Mm-hmm. So it's about 12.5% right now on my website is lead to funding ratio. Mm-hmm. That's pretty as good. As opposed to existing clients is 58%. So you... We skip, I wouldn't say we skip some of our steps, but a website lead doesn't get a pro bono consultation with me until they filled in an application form. Mm-hmm. So we very quickly answer their questions, and the next step is you fill out an application form. Right. And you, so you mentioned webinars, so how are you using webinars? So I do, I have uh, two sets of webinar series, first-time home buyers and real estate investors. So in fact, I just did one 10 days ago for being the banker for a change. So, you know, our top five Canadian banks reporting $31.7 billion in profit mm-hmm. um, for the last year is looking at helping clients understand they can take their RSPs, Lira, RESP, TFSAs, and loan them out in mortgages using self-directed facilities. Mm-hmm. So the last one I did 10 days ago was all on being the banker for a change. And it was able to generate about 840000 in second mortgage sources for me. Mm-hmm. And the general consumer had no idea right. that you could loan your own money out in mortgages and be the banker for a change. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's clever. And so did you just run this webinar through your database? Like, So you said, hey, I'm yep. going to teach you some stuff yep. and, and then invited them to join? But it, but yes, but there's nine steps to doing a successful webinar. And I have my, you know, webinar planner, which is very clear that you've got to, you've got to set the stage on your material. You've got to, you know, save the date, emails go out. It's on my website. I post it on Facebook. Um, when I'm meeting people on the back of my business card two weeks prior, there will be a little sticker I've put on there inviting them to my next webinar. And so it takes some work, but mm-hmm. if you have a system and a process in place, it can be very easy. I've got 32 templated PowerPoint presentations I can pick from. So I always invite any, there's always limited spots, so you create a sense of urgency for registration. Mm-hmm. But then I record them. People can have access to the recordings, forward them on to their friends and family, invite people along. And in fact, the, the, the members we have of the Lionshare group, they get invited to my webinars. Mm-hmm. So they get to see how it's done live, so they can duplicate and do it themselves. Right. 
That's awesome. I'm, yeah, I've been thinking a lot. I've been doing some webinars and I, like not client facing, but broker facing webinars. And so I'm thinking about doing some client facing webinars. And um, yeah, I, it seems to me a lot of the people online are using them very successfully uh, when you. So I'm still playing around with it. But I found this guy called Lewis Howes, who has a fantastic like webinar set system set up, which I'll send to you actually when we're done. I'm sure you probably are doing similar stuff, but this guy's doing a lot of webinars and I found it very helpful. Awesome. That would be great. Thank you. And I'll, I'll also post it really, on the website. They work really well. You know, they, they, they do work well, especially when I'm I'm uh, where I am, you know, to, to, to book a venue, to travel two hours, you know, there is, and especially during the winter months, people love the convenience of webinars. They're on their iPad while they're watching their kids play hockey, watching my webinar, and it's just more convenient. Then the next step is the face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's awesome. Okay, so uh, I could spend all day chatting with you, but I know we you have to go back to work and so do I. So uh, <laughs> h- how do you um, balance, because you obviously got a, quite a few things going on, how do you balance running your mortgage practice and family? So um, I, I, I consider myself really lucky and blessed. I have an amazing husband, Marcus, uh, who we've been together for over 30 years. He's my rock. And we both, as we have, you know, when I when I got into the mortgage business, he actually became extremely sick and he was self-employed as well. And at that time, we'd made a decision that he was going to stop his business and stay home and get better. And funny enough, he kind of slipped into the, the homemaker role. He focused on his health first. And he, I consider him part of my business, although he isn't in the mortgage business because he's my support and my and my my my. He does everything for me. I do nothing except work. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I couldn't do what I do without him, but at the same time, I always try and think, we're in mortgages, not brain surgery. So no one's going to die if I don't pick up my phone this evening at 8 o'clock when I'm out with my husband mm-hmm. or with my children or you know, a client wants an appointment at 10.30 on a Sunday morning. It can wait till Monday or a time that's convenient for, for both. So balancing family as well as business, you're the only one that can do that. And sometimes Mm -hmm. you have to make tough decisions. And sometimes, but the tough decision is just, will I lose that client if I don't meet with them? I'm the opposite. Will I lose my husband if I don't spend time with my family? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's something that's really important. And there is enough business out there that, you know, sometimes we jump too quickly Oh, but it's a six hundred thousand dollar mortgage. I must make that appointment. You know, eight o'clock on a Friday night. Mm-hmm. I'm like, there's, there's going to be another eight hundred thousand dollar mortgage around the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, family comes first. Right. That's a good way to reverse the question. You know, are you going to lose the deal? But what about your family? That's a good reminder for yeah. people. I totally yeah. agree. So I'm going to move to the rapid fire questions. You can answer these with shorter answers if you like. So, what is the number one thing holding back most mortgage brokers from being successful? Big picture. They're focused on the, the deal right now. You know, I always say if you, you learn, you earn. The course isn't going to give you what you need. You know, some it's always focusing on, I've got to get a deal, got to fund a deal now. You've got to build a database of customers, not deals that are going to close in the next two weeks and ignore everything else. Mm-hmm. So for me, I think it's looking at the big picture. Okay, and what one thing or habits made you successful? Focus. You I'm s- laser focused. Like as in my my day is planned... I'm going to do 10 minutes on Facebook a day. So I have a timer. 10 minutes goes off. I'm, I'm out of there. 
because we get distracted really easily. And I found that one of my strengths is being focused just as if I was going on holiday tomorrow for two weeks. That's how I work every day. Mm -hmm. And Facebook, it can be a real time suck, that's for sure. Oh, one of many. Mm -hmm. So do you have an internet resource or software program you use to make your business more successful? Um, I definitely use Dropbox. I use Dropbox a lot for my clients, um, as in they don't need to send me documents by email, especially my real estate investors. If a real estate investor comes to me with that already has 15 properties in their portfolio, I need to get a lot of documentation. So what I do is I invite them to a Dropbox folder as opposed to the other way around, mm -hmm. and in it is already pre-set um, folders that are in number order. So number one is application form, and in there is the application form for them to fill in. Number two is mortgage statements. So they already have like a Dropbox set up that I've done for them that I send them, mm -hmm. and then they, all they've got to do is pop in their documentation, and I've got it in live time. I also use ACT as my database, which I I live and die by. Um, ACT is run by Sage, and it does all my... What I love about it is I own it, mm -hmm. my database. It links with my Outlook, so any new emails that come in automatically hunt for the contact, and if there isn't one in my database, create one, which will then automatically add them onto my newsletter list and my webinar invitation list. Mm -hmm. um, I do all my e-marketing through it. It's just one place I love to go, for, which is my database, which is my business. Right. If you that's that's great, that's awesome. So, if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be? Oh God, I'm not sure if I can think of just one. Um, you know what? Rich Dad Poor Dad has had a big impact on me when it comes to looking at money. From and as well as real estate, and I've leveraged that a lot in my business. So that's by Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad Poor Dad. Yeah, that's it's a, a great it's a good book. One. It is a good one. And the secret—I mean, the secret's the one that keeps us grounded too, right? Mm -hmm. So, where do you think our industry is headed? Where's the opportunity? We have masses of opportunity. You know, our industry—the only way we can go is up. We're, we're slowly increasing our market share. And there is a lot of opportunity, but we've got to we've got to make sure that from the consumer's perspective, they're seeing the advantages of working with a mortgage broker, and it's not just rate. To me, getting the best rate is a given when you work with a mortgage broker. It's the other added value that we do that sets us apart. And if we can do a better job of marketing, focusing on that, and looking at the big picture and growing our customers... Um, we're going to be extremely, we've, there's nowhere else to go. But we've got to, as an industry, we've got to be prepared to diversify and learn from each other. Mm -hmm. I, I always say I never compete with a fellow colleague because every mortgage agent or broker, no matter what brokerage they're with or whatever, um, they're a colleague of mine. And, and we need to look at our industry internally as we're in this together. It's not about, you know, how big is my brokerage? How big is my business? It really is about how can we grow this industry as a whole, and we can only do it if we come together, and we need to grow without raping and pillaging internally. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I'm convinced that um, through these interviews, I've been talking to a lot of really smart people. Is that there's probably no problem a mortgage broker's having in their day that hasn't already been solved by somebody. The problem is, is that they don't. How do we find that solution when you're looking for it? Right? There isn't like a simple way for them to discover. Okay, here's the problem I'm having, and someone else, like maybe you've solved it, or someone in another market solved it. And uh, if we did, we definitely would increase our market share from you know 30% to maybe 70% and eat the bank's lunch, which would be awesome. You know, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think the one opportunity we have is we have 48% market share with first-time home buyers. 48%. So the banks are worried about us. But then we screw it up afterwards because we don't get renewals and we don't get repeat business. Mm-hmm. And, and it comes down to that building a database of customers. It's not about getting a deal, getting a commission check, move on to the next new lead. If we all focus just a bit more on what we've the leads we've already got and we build a database and we reach out to our customers on a regular basis, whether they do a mortgage with us or they don't, we're going to get more market share. But we rock with first-time home buyers, and then we kind of go, you know, we're looking for the next shiny penny or the next new lead as opposed to mm-hmm. focusing on what we've already got. Right. That's good. So remember the, this is the last question. Do you remember the movie, the Back to the Future? Oh, yeah. And so this is the <laughs> so door. age now. What's that? I'm showing my age now. Yes, I know. I watched it again recently. But it's, so the, this is a DeLorean question. So if you could jump in the DeLorean, that car that travels in time, and I could set the date to your first day as a mortgage broker, and your goal was to sit down with yourself and give yourself three pieces of advice so that your business would be bigger and better than it is today, what three things would you tell yourself? No print advertising. Don't waste your money on print advertising. The next thing would be being a licensed mortgage agent goes beyond the course just to get licensed. You've got to continue your education over and above that. And don't use lenders as a way to get trained. That's just a product puke. You know, it's, it's, it's looking beyond. And I think the third one is surround yourself with successful mortgage brokers. That's good. You know, you are the sum of the parts around you. And, 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 and some of my biggest mistakes was, was being part of, was not surrounding myself with successful people that were prepared to share. Mm-hmm. So that's great. So no print advertising, obviously. I've done radio and didn't have a great success with it. Um, go beyond your uh, – it's not just the course. You need to get continuing education and surround yourself with people that are going to inspire and share and challenge you to, to be better. Absolutely. Awesome. So, Claire, are you guys hiring right now? Absolutely. And where can people find you uh, online? So they can go to yourmortgageoptions.ca. And when I'm hiring agents, um, whether it's new or experienced, I have three hire dates per year in order that we can have the structured training. So absolutely, yourmortgageoptions.ca is the best place to reach me. Awesome. And when's the next hi- when's the next start date for, for your agent training? February the 1st. February the 1st. Okay. February the 1st. Well, Claire, I have really appreciated your time. Uh, anybody listening to this can get links to Claire, to all of the resources we talked about at ilovemortgagebrokering.com, along with that webinar um, cheat sheet that I was mentioning. And uh, Claire, I hope you absolutely rock the rest of your year. And thanks so much for your time. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Where the best mortgage brokers get better. I Love Mortgage Brokering with your host, Scott Peckford. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Beckford here. Have you joined our VIP club for mortgage brokers yet? If not, you're missing out. We share exclusive content not available on the web or the show. We share scripts, step-by-step guides, and other insider tips to help you save time and make you more money. 
I can't tell you how many times after I turn off the recorder, a guest starts sharing some awesome advice or a script or, or a tip, and I take the best of this and share it with my VIPs. If you want to get on the list, visit ilovemortgagebrokering.com slash VIP. That's ilovemortgagebrokering.com slash VIP. Oh, and one other thing. Since this is exclusively for mortgage brokers, there is a skill testing question. Good luck, and I hope you continue to rock your mortgage biz.